I'm Charlie Keegan. This is the Central Wigan Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Central Wigan podcast. It is episode 7 and we have an extended version today. It's not so much a Christmas special because there's not many festivities at all, but there is some really good chats going on today. We have Dan Stacey on um, from The Talking Wigan. You probably know him from Twitter as at DanWAFC03. We have him on just to chat about the season so far. We also put together a team of the season so far, which looking back on it, if I could change it, I probably would, <laughs> but... We compiled it before the Sheffield United game, so I went into a little bit naively. But we're going to start with some look back over the first half of the season, because after that Sheffield United game, that was the midway cut point now. We've played every team at least once, so the Borough game that's coming up on Boxing Day is the start of you know, the new set of fixtures. But also, Colo Torre is still looking for his first three points, and we're going to get into the preview later, but I think we have got real chance to take them three points against Borough at the Riverside. Okay, so to start off looking back over the first half of the season, obviously we've played 23 games so far, 6 wins, 6 draws, 11 losses and 2 managers. Now I'll bring up the point there about the 2 managers because when we're looking back over this first half of the season, there are a lot of games that we have played where realistically we should have taken the full 3 points or if not, it should have been a point at least and I think that moving forward with Torre now, under this new optimism that we're all kind of feeling, a January transfer window which looking ahead I think is going to be quite a good one for us and also getting the best out of some of our players like Talo Asgard and Nathan Broadhead and Will Keane, Callum Lang. I think that going into the second half of the season I am much more optimistic that we're going to pick up more points now than we did before and up to now we have picked up 24 points from a possible 69. We've scored 23 goals, conceded 34 and we have a minus 11 goal difference because of that which is the second worst in the championship at the moment. Only to Hull City, who have minus 14, and Huddersfield Town are actually above us on goal difference with minus 10, yet you know, they're, they're still bottom of the table. And even though the, the table's not directly at the midway point, you know some teams are on 22 games played. I think Blackpool are on 24 games played, the rest of us on 23. And I think a lot of that comes from Coventry's issues at the start of the season. We can see now a clear split between the top 12 and the bottom 12 and where Wigan Athletic have performed in comparison to the teams around them and obviously above them. So just to run through the top 12 teams at the moment at the time of recording this on December 22nd, Burnley, Sheffield United, Blackburn, Watford, Norwich, QPR, Preston, Coventry, Birmingham, Millwall, Swansea and Reading. And there's also a story came out this morning that Coventry have been given a suspended five-point deduction uh, for obviously the problems that were caused at the start of the season. But I don't think it comes into effect unless there's one more problem this year or next year, I think. So that, there's a few technical details around it, but that's one story I saw this morning. But against those top 12 sides, Wigan have won two, drawn four and lost six. We have scored nine goals and conceded 17 goals. Five times we have scored first. Once we have equalised back to 1-1. Twice we have scored after being 2-0 down. And on four occasions, we have failed to score in the game, which is the opening day against Preston, which is our only 0-0 of the season, the 1-0 loss to Watford, the 2-0 loss to Coventry, and the 1-0 loss to Reading. And despite only picking up four clean sheets all season, three of those have actually come against teams in the top half. You know, obviously we had the 0-0 against Preston, but then we had the 1-0 win against Blackburn, who sit third at the moment, and then also the 1-0 against Birmingham away, and they sit ninth. 
and overall we have picked up 10 points from a possible 36 and obviously it's not been great against teams up there in the first half of the table but the clearly positive signs there three clean sheets is is good and if we could have just held on to these wins we've dropped six points from winning positions against the teams in the top half you know we we let it go against Norwich we let it go against Swansea and also Millwall so Going into the second half of the season, if we can just improve on either holding out on a win or going 2-0 up and then being able to you know, not throw it away like we did against Swansea, we're going to be much better off. And those six points are going to throw us up the table if we can start picking them up. And then just to run through the bottom half of the table, we have Sunderland, Middlesbrough, Luton, West Brom, Stoke, Bristol City, Rotherham, Cardiff City, Hull City, Blackpool, Wigan and Huddersfield. Obviously there we've played 11 games, we have 4 wins, 2 draws, 5 losses, we have scored 14 goals and conceded 17. On 6 occasions we have been the team to score first, 3 times we've equalised to 1-1, only the once have we conceded 2 before scoring which was that 3-1 home defeat against Cardiff. And only once we have failed to score in a game which was the 1-0 home defeat against Stoke City. But overall we have had one clean sheet which was a 2-0 win away at Rotherham on October 1st and we've picked up 14 points from a possible 33. Now comparing against the top half of the table where we have thrown away 6 points from winning positions, we've actually thrown away 10 points from winning positions against the teams in the bottom half of the table. We, we scored first against Sunderland, Middlesbrough, West Brom and Hull City. Three of those we lost and one of them we ended up drawing. Now if you add those 16 points that we've thrown away from winning positions against our 24 points so far, obviously you get 40 points. That would be enough to put us third in the championship. And I'm not saying that when we go ahead, I expect us to win every single game where we do go ahead. That's not really realistic in any aspect. But if you just took at least half of those, you know, we're going to be propelled right up the table. So yes, we're in 23rd place on 24 points at the moment. But I do think the future under Colo Torre is going to be a lot brighter. And we know what we need to do now going into the second half of the season when we're replaying all these teams again. And I do think that we're going to start picking up way more points to guide us to safety. And I looked through all the different months that we've been playing and the games that we've been playing within those months. In October, we played eight games. We won two of them, but lost six. And we also lost Jason Kerr to injury at that time. And I think we also lost Callum Lang. And also it was Liam Richardson's last full month as manager for us. But... It was real. The whole problem there, I think, was a big fixture congestion problem, and we just didn't have the squad to, to to sort it out. Liam was saying that it's very hard to get in the mentality of having to play a game every seventy two hours. But moving forward, we have two games left in December, four in January, five in February, four in March, seven in April, and just the one in May. Now, obviously, that can change if we end up going on a bit of a cup run. There's going to be some normal fixtures rescheduling anyway, especially if Sky Sports have anything to do with it. So. Moving forward, I think that it's going to be a bit easier on our side and under Torre, some additions that we can bring in in January, I think we're going to be fine. So as mentioned before, we do have Dan Stacey on coming to talk about the season so far and a look ahead to the January transfer window and we also put our team of the season so far together now. Yes, I chose my team of the season before the Sheffield United game, so it might seem quite familiar to you a lot of the names. But just please bear that in mind. And I do wish that after the game, I could go back and change a couple of the players around. But I also do believe that these players have a right to be in there for the whole season. So up to debate, but have a listen to this. So I am joined today by Dan. You might know him off Twitter, at DanWAFC03. Um, he's just come on today just to talk about the season so far and January and what we can do moving forward. So how are you doing, Dan? I'm good, Charlie. Yeah, it's, uh, it's good to be on. Obviously, I've followed your work on on Twitter and obviously now the podcast as well. So uh, yeah, good to be here. 
I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, so I just want to go through the season so far. And obviously, as the time we're recording this, we have one game left, which is the Sheffield United fixture tonight. But I want to know, how have you felt about the first half of the season against your expectations coming into the season? Mm, well, yeah, it's that's the, that's the thing, isn't it? Against my expectations, probably about where I thought we'd be. But against the start of the season we had, it's... Um, it's quite disappointing to find ourselves obviously in the relegation zone because yeah, there was that first sort of ten game period. I was really hopeful that this could finally be a sort of middle of the road season for us, and everything would be nice and chill, sort of March April time. We wouldn't have to worry about anything, and we can just go about our business. But obviously, that's not the way we do things, and uh, yeah, it, it sort of tailed off towards towards the middle part of this this first stage of the season and I'm I'm more positive now than I was uh, pre-World Cup after the Millwall game but yeah I, I, in one word I'd say mixed my feelings on, on the first half of the season. Yeah and I think going from having the best away form in the league to to finding ourselves 23rd in the league now and things exactly. like at home it's, it's been a bit tough but uh, what strengths do you think that we've shown in that first half of the season that we can use going into the second half of the season that should see us to safety? Uh, well, I think a lot has been spoken about the sort of mentality of the squad and that was definitely brought together by Liam Richardson, uh, the sort of the, the the fight, the character, even if we went a goal down, you never thought we were out of the game, um, everyone working hard for each other. So I think we do definitely have that. It's, a, it's an honest group of players. It's quite an old group of players. So they've sort of been around the block a little bit. They know, they've seen pretty much everything there is to see in the game. So in that sense, yeah, I think we're probably more experienced to deal with a, a relegation scrap, which I guess, you know, call it what it is, that's what we're in now. But yeah, I do I do feel like that we lack a bit of flair and that kind of thing. But in terms of strengths, yeah, let's go with, uh, you know, sort of intelligence, decision-making, seeing, uh, well, experience, having seen everything that, as squad of players have seen. So, uh, yeah, sort of the, the mental side of the game more than the, the technical, I would say, is our strength. Yeah, I agree. So moving into the January transfer window, I know you've been putting articles together, sensible transfers with Talking Wigan. And if people listening, if you've not seen them, you can follow uh, Dan on Twitter and you can see all the, the articles through there. So how busy do you feel that we need to be in January? And what type of players should we be looking to bring in just to boost our side? And also, should we act early in the window or should we, you know, wait for two or three weeks in to, to make a move? Yeah, well, just to answer that last bit, um, I was listening to the the uh, PWU podcast, there you go, uh, with, with Mal Brannigan, uh, obviously. Was it the Supporters Club night that the, he was interviewed at? He was saying that uh, they'd started discussions about January, like very recently in, in December, which worried me a little bit because I was sort of hoping that we'd been planning ahead, you know, the, the World Cup breaks given a month of, um, well, time off really. And obviously the fact that we change manager and you have to discuss thing, you know, start from square one almost. But I'd like to see us act early, but that makes me think it might be more towards the end of the window where where moves are made I, I guess it also depends on how much money there is to spend we don't really know that yet mal did say that there will be money to spend but wigan having money to spend is a lot different to you know 80 percent of the championship having money to spend so loan options perhaps that kind of thing i'm i'm not sure but 
I've obviously you mentioned my articles there. I'm I've released one so far, which is the centre back one. Uh, there's a a left back one coming very soon, as is there a centre mid and an attacking midfielder one. They're the four positions I think we really need to improve. But to, to be honest, you could name five or six really. I don't think we have a standout in any position. I think everywhere can be improved, but yeah, realistically, I think those four that I've just named are, are the ones for me. Do you feel more confident as well going into a January transfer window? Obviously, it's going to be Torre's first one ever in manager because obviously he's never managed before. He's only been a mm. technical coach and a, an assistant coach. Do you feel more confident going into this window with Colo Torre because of the links he's got and Kevin Betsy has and Ashfer Jahal over what Liam Richardson and Rob Kelly and James Beattie would have had? Yeah, definitely. Despite the fact that Liam assembled the promotion winning squad almost on his own i still feel like some of his recruitment was really quite dodgy like jamie mcgrath scully fletcher these players that you bring in and are very exciting and then you don't see much of in that sense you know they're all probably the three biggest money ones as well fletcher in terms of wages and mcgrath and scully are the only two really that commanded a fee and and Stephen Humphreys actually as well who's who's gone out on loan so yeah I, I definitely think Colo and his links give us a, a completely different aspect of recruitment the loan market will definitely be big and I think he's got a lot of trust from hopefully the rest of the the footballing world especially maybe in the Premier League that he can develop young players uh Ashfield Jahal work with young players at Leicester so he'll definitely uh add on to that as well Kevin Betsy in the England youth ranks was uh, well he developed quite a lot of the players that are currently in the England team yeah I'd like to think the loan market will will get some trust in and it saves money as well so it's it's a win-win yeah and I think it's going to be good for us to use the loan market in this window then in the summer window start to look and bring in permanent transfers if we need to exactly I think one of the keys that we have to do especially with Jahal and, and Betsy coming in is develop that youth academy and get players like Josh Stones and Luke Brennan and you know yep. Kieran Lloyd up into that first team. Or if not, then we need to start looking at, at selling and not in a fire sale like we saw under the administration. <laughs> so with the team that we've had so far then, because I think putting this together now and then having a look at the end of the season and we can put another one together, what would be your team of the season so far? Formation first, which formation have you settled with? Okay. We've, we've tried a few variations. We have, uh, yeah, I'm sticking with four two three one. I don't think it's been the best all season. Into like, there are definitely some games where I think we should go to a five, but yeah, I think four two three one, and it's what Cola wants to play as well. So yeah, I think that's what right. I'm settling with is a four two three one as well. I looked at a three five two, but I'd much prefer isn't that four two three one? Just have an extra player, a player in attack. So we'll go goalkeeper, and then we'll go right back through to left back. And then he's centre mids, and then we'll go up from there. So who have you put Perfect. In, in between the sticks? Uh, Jamie Jones for me. Yeah, neither goalkeeper have covered themselves in much glory this season, but Ben Amos has been the worst of the two. I guess. Rather than Jamie Jones being the best of the two, I think it's more the other way around, yeah. Would you like us to look for... I've gone with Jamie Jones as well, but again, it was, it was a difficult toss-up between the two. Neither really stands out, but do you think a goalkeeper is a position we need to look at in January as well, or should we just leave it till the summer? I would like us to, but I feel like goalkeeper is... Like, it's hard to recruit in January at the best of times. I don't think a goalkeeper in January 
is is likely. Um, I did have a look uh, when I was doing research for the other positions if goalkeepers what what goalkeepers were available, and I couldn't really see many. So, I think we'll stick with these two for now, and uh, yeah, recruit in the summer personally. All right, so moving on to right back, who've you got? Captain Tendai Dirikwa for me. Same for me. I think Niambe, if he can get a good run of form, hopefully we'll be in exactly. the end of the season, team of the season, because I do think he is he is very good. And I like the link with uh, Callum Lang when when they're running down that right. But Dirikwa's been fairly solid. I think I was worried about the step up to the championship, but I think he's handled it not too bad, to be honest. No, likewise. I mean, I wasn't really his biggest fan last season. Um <laughs> Actually, what got me onto writing sensible transfers articles in the first place was my desperation for us to sign a new right back in the summer. And obviously, we got Nyambe in. And whether or not that has sort of kicked Dirikwa into a good run of form, I'm not sure. But he's proven me wrong, which I'm I'm very happy about. And yeah, like you say, if Nyambe can get a run of games, then then we'll be loving life. But yeah, for now, for now, Dirikwa deserves it. I reckon centre back pairing. That's um. A difficult one, especially with the with it being a two. I've gone for yeah. Jack Watmore and Curtis Tilt for my two. Kerr and Tilt is a, yeah, it's a toss up really. Um, but for me, I feel more confident when uh, Kerr is on the ball than when Tilt's on the ball personally. So yeah. that's why I've gone with him. But again, it's a it's a tough one, and it's not to say Tilt's done anything wrong necessarily. It's just for me, uh, maybe a personal preference. Jason Kerr's a bit more composed on the ball and. That's what I like in a centre back. Yeah, and in my in my three five two that I did, Kerr was Kerr was in there because I, I really do like him in that back three. As a back two, I kind of like the partnership between Watmore and Tilt, but Tilt has to start, you know, on the ball activity yeah. just needs to be a little bit better. Looking up and trying to find a pass that that run he did with Millwall where he just burst through and I'm screaming, <laughs> just release the ball, and he, he does that sometimes. He'll hold on for it just. Split yep. second too long. I want to see Romani Edmonds Green get a bit more game time, uh, but obviously Kerr's out for the rest of the season, so it's going to be either of them three. Yeah, going to going to start alongside alongside what more or either of them two. Sorry, Till or Till or Edmonds Green. Hopefully, a new addition in January as well. Yeah, no, I agree. I think uh, a new centre back in in January would be ideal. To be honest, left back I've gone for Joe Bennett. Right, this, this might be a bit of a controversial one, but I've gone for James McLean just to sort of shoe on him into the side. Uh, again, maybe in terms of left-back performances, he's left a bit to be desired, you could say. Yeah, because of who I want in my front three, I wanted McLean in there somewhere because he does deserve recognition this season. Well, Tom Pierce has played a single minute. Joe Bennett has been here and there. McLean for me, but again, it's a position that needs looking at in, in this window. It really does, and I did think uh, I was looking at McLean in my three-five-two. I had McLean at left wing back because obviously we've seen him a lot there this season. But in a four-two-three-one, I want McLean as high up the field as he as he can get. So that's the reason for Bennett going in. But I do yeah. agree, a new left back would be would be ideal for the centre midfield pairing. Obviously, that's always a huge debate every single match day. No, I don't think whatever <laughs> Mark Colo can choose is going to please everybody. So who's who's the two that you've gone with? Graham Shinney is is the absolute number one in there. Perhaps slightly reluctantly, I've put Max Power in there. I've been quite a big critic of him on Twitter, as as people might have seen. But I was looking at Jordan Cousins' stats, and he's not won a game. Well, he's lost every game he's played for us. He can't really make it in with that. Despite the fact I don't think he's been at fault for those losses, he's not really, well, he's not tasted victory yet this season, which is a shame. And then I suppose the other option is Tom Naylor. But the less said about him, the better. This is where mine's going to be controversial. I've gone 
Max Power and Tom Naylor. Shinny wow. doesn't, doesn't make mine, but that's not because I don't like him. I just think Power's played every minute so far. It hasn't been yep. what I wanted from him. I think he has to improve a lot more over the second half of the season. But if you're talking a player that's very vocal on the field and Max Power is is that guy, it just it needs to be a bit better in the second half of the season for him to to make my end of the season one. But Tom Naylor for me makes it purely because he's got yep. the two goals and the one assist to his name so far. Shinny's also conceded a penalty for us and Tom's Tom's not conceded one yet. Tom might not be progressive with his play, but I do like that it frustrates some people because of the backwards and sideways passes, but sometimes you need to do that, you know, to try and work around the defence. But Naylor's started now trying to take yep. shots from the edge of the area and he's not a Sam Morsi style where he's going to ping in screamers every time but he is, <laughs> he is getting there and he is trying and yeah. I do think that consistency from Tom Naylor has been quite good this season but for me Shinny's just he's given the ball away a few times um very very cheaply and I mean so is Tom so is Max so is, so is Jordan but I think Power and Naylor for me I don't want them to in my final team of the season if that makes sense I want Shinny to break into it or yeah yeah but for me so far I think they're the two that I would go for no that's fair I mean yeah, it's just from open play. I, I want more from my midfielders than particularly Tom Naylor has, has offered. Obviously, you're, you're absolutely right to mention the two goals. The one at Rotherham to secure the win and the one at Swansea that, well, albeit we should have won that game, it yeah. ended up being vital for getting us a point, which uh, shouldn't be sniffed at. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like if you take Tom Naylor out of the side, we've got other players that can score from set pieces better players on the ball in possession that kind of thing I do in fairness to him I agree he's he's been consistent and he does offer a pretty decent uh, shield in front of a back four but in games where we've got more of the ball which I think is going to be more often than not under Colo touch wood yeah I think we we can do better and for me that's why I've, I've picked, put Shinny in there alongside power but I, I don't mind I don't mind Tom Naylor based on his performances this season but like you say, I hope he's not in there at the end of the season because that'll mean that uh, that Shinny or whoever hasn't hasn't got much for a run. You watch tonight, Shinny will get two goals and he'll shut me right up. <laughs> That's the dream. <laughs> so moving into that front three, then obviously we've got the the lone the lone target man up top. But who's who would be your your three? I think there's one name that's obviously going to be in there. Yeah, uh, Will Keane is is in the ten role. Well, he's proved the doubt was wrong, really. Well, I have questioned him at times this season and. I happily sort of bite the bullet on that now. I don't feel like he is as involved in build-up play as he should be, but at the same time, if you're getting eight goals in a season, then that's all that really matters. And actually, just to touch on that, against Millwall, I thought he was far better in the build-up, so that's positive signs. And then uh, flanking him, I've got Callum Lang and maybe slightly sort of a, a daft choice, but I've, I've put Tello in there just because that that Luton goal could end up keeping us in the league and no one else in our team scores that. So those little moments for me is why is why he's in there. I like the inclusion of, of Tello in there. And I think that come the end of the season, I reckon he'll get a lot more starts than we've seen so far. And I do think that Kevin Betsy is going to be big in that as well because obviously he knows his youth development. He knows Gregory mm. very well. So I think that he's going to take to a player like Tello and, and know how to take into them next levels higher. So I hope he's in my end of the season one. But for Definitely. me again... Will Keane, he's just, you can't keep him out of the side. And if he's already scored eight goals so far and it's been a little bit rocky for Wigan, if we can put stuff together, I do wonder where the sort of limit is going to be for him in the championship. Because like you yeah. said, it's Millwall. I've seen a lot of the times he's trying to run too far into the box, but he held off that run a little bit and let Broadhead get there and mm. 
that edge of the area is where he operates best for me. So if we can see more of that, I do wonder where where he's going to be at the end of the season, goals and assist wise. And then either side of him, despite the injury setbacks I have gone with Callum Lang, if you include in penalty wins, I think he's up to five assists now. And I know it's not an official wow. assist win, is obviously winning. A it, it should be, it should be. I it should be. And I think if when you play on FPL, it is. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's obviously not recorded in the in the official leagues. But no, I think Callum's up to up to five now. And then because I put Bennett at left back, James McLean for me goes on the left. It's not at his best season but he's also you know he's getting on a bit now and I don't know how much longer he's going to be with Wigan I think that he might go back to Derry City at some point and, and retire there but yeah he, he puts in a shift and like we saw against Millwall that McNamara at right back was a very good right back McLean sort of you know left kept him out of the game a lot of the time because they were just off the ball fighting the whole the whole time so yeah for me McLean just needs to close down the cross better and um, that's where Millwall's goal came from he didn't close down McNamara well enough and the ball went into Bradshaw, so if he can just stop the crosses a little bit better, he's going to look a bit more solid. Well, I believe him not closing the cross down and it, it came in yeah. from the right-hand side, yeah. We've seen it a few times, and Derek early on in the season did that. Um, he looks yep. to be getting a bit bit closer to his man now. Bennett was doing the same thing, and I think across the field, you know, we, just, we weren't closing the ball down well enough, especially at home. Uh, it needs to be a lot better. Then we've got one player left. Who's the one leading the line? I've gone... Nathan Broadhead. I was close to picking Charlie White. Charlie White was actually my initial pick. And then, you know, despite the fact that it is absolutely heroic that he is even back playing football, I do think Broadhead's got, uh, is it three goals now, I believe? All of them have been important ones. Obviously, that one against Birmingham is, again, like I mentioned with Tello against Luton. I don't think there's anyone else in our team that scores that goal against uh, against Birmingham, which of course was laid on by Charlie White, which is a, another reason why I could include him. But yeah, Broadhead, I've been impressed by him. I'm glad that we've kept him fit and I'm glad that Colo is using him as the out-and-out number nine. And it's another one, like you, like we've mentioned a few times, I sort of hope he is in the, my end of season one as the number nine because it'll have meant that for the remaining 23 games, he's he's doing well. And someone that I, I hope to see assigned permanently at some point as well. Yeah, I would like to see him. And Broadhead is is mine as well. And like you mentioned, Charlie White, in my 3-5-2 version of the of the formation, it is Keen White and Broadhead are the ones up top. Mm. Because I think those three together link link really, really well. So I know Broadhead makes my 4-2-3-1. And you said that, was it Graham Shinney, player of the season so far? Yeah, that's the one for me. I just think he's had the most standout performances for me. Uh, I, I was there at Huddersfield away where he was honestly, it was one of the better centre midfielder performances I've seen in a long, long time. He just gets about the, like, he gets about the pitch so well. There was there was a time where he was closing down their right back and their left back in the same sort of passage of play. And he was the only one doing doing the closing down. And yeah, I don't know, players like that, it's why I like, love Sam Morsey or, you know, those sort of energetic midfielders that get about and... Uh, yeah, he's he's come out of nowhere a little bit, and it's it's why I hope to see him play more often. And uh, yeah, why he's my player of the season so far. I like that. I've I've gone with um, Will Keane for mine purely because of the the eight goals and I think it's two assists that he's got so far. You can't yep. 
obviously we all know how important he is to the side. And I had my doubts when we went up to the championship, whether he could do it. You know, for me, he's, he's consistently been one of our best players in the games. And I'm excited for the, the progression under Colo Torre to see just how, how good he can get. But a lot of his goals so far have been so important for us. So for me, it would be would be Will Keane. But again, that just shows yep. that how the arguments between, you know, who's been player of the season and, you know, man of the matches and who's going in the team of the season. You've got, you've got options there, I think. You include Shinny, I've included Naylor. There's quite a bit of a yep. debate going on this season, and I, I assume a lot of people might have gone Ben Amos in goal. So it's going to be interesting to see going forward who makes our end of the team of the season. Absolutely, yeah. Well, hopefully, some of the some of the names that we've sort of reluctantly put in this time are there with a bit more security at the end of the season. That'd be nice. I'd like some in there from January transfer window as well. <laughs> if we can get absolutely two on two of them into our final team of the season, that'd be that'd yep. be great. Thank you for joining the podcast, Dan. Just to make sure everybody can find you on Twitter or online with your talking wig. And you just want to talk a bit about your links and where, where people can find you? Yeah, sure. Um, as, as you mentioned on Twitter, DanWAFC03, you'll see me putting out Tello Asgard propaganda on there most, most days. And Graham Shinney, of course. And yeah, uh, talkingwigan.com. I do match previews, five things we've learned about every game or most games. And at the minute, I'm doing a sensible transfer series where I use a mixture of uh, sort of video scouting, analytics, and just general my own take on football, really, as to who I think Latic should be looking at signing in the uh, in the window. I did it in the summer, and um, I'm restarting it now. So yeah, there'll be a centre back, left back centre midfield and attacking midfield articles all released before the window starts alright brilliant no, thank you for coming on I want to thank Dan again for coming onto the podcast I really enjoyed that chat having with him and it's interesting now looking forward to the January transfer window with the insight that Dan had because I am very optimistic for these January fixtures that we've got coming up especially after looking over how we did the first half of the season and the teams that we're going to be playing so up next, obviously, we have Borough, who are in 14th. Then we have Sunderland, who are in 13th. Hull in 21st. Cardiff in 20th. Luton in 15th. And West Brom, who are in 16th. Now, obviously, by the time we come around to play in them, they're not going to be in them positions. But I am very optimistic. We have performed better so far this season against the sides in the second half of the table. So if there's ever a time for Torre to get this team working and pick up points, it's probably going to be now until the end of January. But first, we have Borough. So... Without any further ado, let's go into the match preview for the Borough game. Okay, so Michael Carrick's side are pretty high flying at the moment. He got put in charge on October 25th, 2022. In that time, they had four wins, one draw and two losses. So they're definitely in a better run of form than they are the last time we played us, which is a bit of a nightmare because they battered us 4-1, if you remember. And obviously, I don't want to touch on that too much because I think that that game really was a signifier that Liam Richardson's time was was coming to an end. We weren't in a good run of form. We'd had a bit of an injury hit, so I'm going to write that as an anomaly and hope that it doesn't happen again this season. But over the last five games for Middlesbrough, they've lost 3-1 to Burnley most recently, which you can't really sniff at. We got beat 5-1 by Burnley. The top scorers in the league, they're going to probably win the league, so 3-1 you can kind of write off as it was bound to happen. Before that, Middlesbrough 2, Luton Town 1. Norwich 1, Middlesbrough 2, Blackpool 0, Middlesbrough 3, and Middlesbrough 1, Bristol City 1. So the only game really there that they've lost is the Burnley 1. But in that time, they've scored 9 goals, conceded 6, and kept 1 clean sheet. And the home form is quite impressive over the last 6 games as well. They've won 2, drawn 3, and lost just the 1 at home. 
But over the last two games, they've had red cards for the opponent in both of them last two games. So let's hope third time's not the charm and Wigan don't follow suit. And with Borough on the up, Wigan are trying to get on the up, but it's a little bit harder for us at the moment. Since Colo Torres come in, we've played Millwall and got a draw down at the Den. And then we've lost, obviously, 2-1 to Sheffield United most recently. Before then, we won 2-1 at home to Blackpool, lost 2-0 away at Coventry City, and then threw away a 2-0 lead against Swansea City to end up drawing that game 2-2. Over that last five, we have scored six, conceded eight, and we're actually yet to keep a clean sheet since our 1-0 home victory against Blackburn Rovers on October the 11th. But excluding that first 45 minutes against Sheffield United, I do think that we're going to be able to compete well against Borough, and I do think that taking points back to the DW is certainly not a faded hope. But as it stands, Middlesbrough are 14th with 30 points and Wigan are 23rd with 24 points. So a victory against Borough on Boxing Day is going to put us on 27 points and just the three points off them. And they're having a great season so far and we're on the up. So, you know, we're not a million miles off. So as I always like to do, I like to go through the who to watch players that we really need to watch out for because of the top attacking performers for the opposition so far. Middlesbrough, I often expect to have really high performing players on the side just because of the track history in that. But they had a bit of a rough start to the campaign and they're starting to see the high outputs from the players now. So the three that I've gone with, and there's a few others that I could name like Isaiah Jones and Marcus Force. But I'm going to go with Tuba Akpom, Duncan Watmore and Matt Crooks. So starting with Tuba Akpom first, and I wrote about him in the last match preview that I did. He's an Arsenal Academy forward. Obviously, he's, he's 27 now, so it's been a while since he was at the Arsenal Academy. And when we last met in October, he scored three goals and seven appearances coming into it. In the nine games since, he's scored an extra six goals and assisted one. So now he's on nine goals, one assist, so one away from double figures. He's a centre forward, and he is going to be an absolute handful for our defence, who, you know, we're struggling without Jack Watmore at the moment. I don't know if he's going to be back fit for Boxing Day, but he's really one that we're going to have to watch out for. And I think he's actually rated within the top six strikers in the championship based on their sofa score ratings next up we have Duncan Watmore who's another player who's been picking up a bit of form but he did miss five games recently I think it was an injury that he picked up but overall this season he's got five goals one assist he's playing as a left mid left winger sort of attacking player and last time out he scored a goal against Burnley um, but he is starting to make his way back to full fitness so I don't know if he's going to start but he's certainly going to feature and a player that Michael Carrick has confirmed is a doubt for the game is central midfielder Matt Crooks. He's 28 years old. He's got four goals and two assists during the campaign. But I've included him because even with the injury worries, he's come off the bench in the last two games against Norwich and Luton. He didn't feature against Burnley. But against Norwich and Luton, he came on really late and scored the two late winners. And that means that three of his four goals this season have been direct match winners. So even if he might not start and his name is a stub, he's still a very direct threat that we do need to worry about. Okay, so now I'm going to go through the team selection of who I think is going to be best to challenge this Middlesbrough side. I'm going to stick with the 4-2-3-1 because I do prefer that formation and I think that under Torrey it is going to end up working well and I think that it's one that we have to stick with. I've made a few changes from obviously my team of the season that I went with, which I probably wouldn't choose right now if I'm honest after that Sheffield United game. And I do think that Cole Torrey is going to start making changes. So in goal, I would go with Jamie Jones. I think that Yes, we could bring Ben Amos back into the side, but I just want to see Jamie Jones for one more game. Maybe we go with Amos against Sunderland. I don't know, but I think keep Jamie Jones for this one. 
And then moving into the back line, I will start Ryan Niambi at right back. I think they had a very positive influence on the game when he did come on. And I think that Tendai Dariqua for me is just a bit too error prone. We saw for the second Sheffield United goal that he just gave it away too cheaply, but that wasn't his first mistake. And Torre brought him off after the hour mark. So for me, Niambi has to start. The centre-back pairing is going to be a bit difficult because of Jack Wanmore's injury. And I don't know if he's going to be back fit for the Boxing Day game. So for me, it would be obviously Romani Edmonds-Green and Curtis Tilt. But Tilt has to watch himself in this game because teams are just starting to see that they can rile him up all too easily. And he's getting into early bookings on yellow cards. We, we probably will see him lead to a red card at some point if he doesn't start to tone it down. But saying that, I would like to see Charlie Hughes coming into the bench if Watmore isn't ready. And then at left back, I'm going to go with James McLean. I could go with Joe Bennett, and I think that maybe Tom Pierce is going to be back fit, but there's a player who I've put in my attacking line in place of where James McLean has been playing that I think is going to be far more instrumental to our game than James McLean being up there. But before that, moving into the midfield pairing, I've been crying out for it on Twitter this week, and I think it's about time we see the Jordan Cousins and Graham Shinney combo from the start. I like Max Power. I think that he does bring some good to our game, but I just think that the performances of late haven't been the best. And I rate Tom Naylor. Obviously, he made it into my team of the season. And I think he had a, a solid half overall against Sheffield United and he was unlucky to come off. But again, we only see stats quantify what he did do and not what he didn't do. So moving into the attackers, obviously Will Keane, put him in the side, build a team around him, phenomenal player. Callum Lang to his right, Broadhead up top and the player that I'm going to bring in at left mid is Thalo Asgard. I think that he completely changed the game against Sheffield United. He should have got a penalty when uh, George Baldock handballed it in the area, but he was instrumental in our Nathan Broadhead goal when he ran forward and you know pressured the defence and I think that starting him against Middlesbrough we're going to be going off on the right foot again and I think that Callum Lang is in or he's due for a really good performance again I thought he played well against Millwall and Sheffield United he caused them a lot of problems but you know their defence is brilliant and Nathan Broadhead up top does the job for me I think that it was good to get his goal against Sheffield United he was really composed when he took it and I had my worries when a smaller number nine takes that role, but I think he's been phenomenal in that role, so he needs to, he needs to have it again. And then obviously there's seven spaces on the bench to choose from, so I would go Ben Amos, Tom Pierce over Joe Bennett I would go with. Tom put on Instagram recently this week that he's looking forward to getting back on the field, so if he's fit, I would have him on the bench and ready to play. Then I would have Charlie Hughes, obviously with our injury worries, I don't know if Jack Watmore's going to be back fit enough. Do we risk him if he is fit enough? I will put Charlie Hughes in place. Then Max Power, Tom Naylor, Anthony Scully needs to start getting some game time, so I would have him on the bench as well. And then Ashley Fletcher. So overall, just to finish the podcast off, I think that we definitely have a good chance of winning against Middlesbrough, and I think that we really need to take the game to them, just like we did against Millwall and then that second half against Sheffield United. I don't see any reason why we can't come away with those three points. You know, Colo Torre has been talking a lot recently about bravery and playing more attacking and more offensively. So I think now is the time that the players really have to start doing it. Millwall away and Sheffield United at home are always going to be difficult games. But the January transfer window is coming. If these players really want to keep the spot, they're going to have to start putting in better performances. And like I said before, I think we're into the stage now where Torre is going to be experimenting, especially with that midfield and our fullbacks. So... The players have to start putting in those performances to get the wins. I think Thalo Asgard, Callum Lang and Broadhead, along with Keane, are going to change the game together. I'm very excited to see them. But Charlie Wyke obviously is going to be missing with injury. He's had a bit of a setback, so 
he's not going to be available. But no, I'm very optimistic about the game and other games that are going on on Boxing Day, there's quite a few of them. We have Watford versus Millwall, Sunderland versus Blackburn Rovers, obviously we have Borough and Wigan, Preston versus Huddersfield, Sheffield United versus Coventry, Hull City versus Blackpool, Rotherham versus Stoke City, Bristol City versus West Brom, Cardiff City versus QPR and Luton Town versus Norwich City. But that is everything from me today. I want to thank Dan for coming on and joining the podcast earlier. I think that he gave some really good insight into how the season's gone so far, the January transfer window, and I really enjoyed putting that team of the season together with him. I know you've enjoyed this longer style podcast as well. It's obviously an extended version. It's the last one before Christmas, so I hope everybody has a really good Christmas and we get the three points on Boxing Day as well. And I've been doing so much talking today because I was on the Progress of Unity podcast that obviously, as you can hear, I have lost my voice for the most part, so... That podcast is out as well. If you want to go over to the Progress of Unity Spotify page or iTunes, wherever you listen to it, that one's going to be on there where we talked quite a lot about the Muddlesbrough preview and we also had a lot of general chat as well. So that was a fun one to do. But you can find me on Twitter at Central Wigan, same one on Instagram at Central Wigan. And you can also follow our Substack, which is a newsletter. It is centralwigan.substack.com. We talk about match previews, then match reviews, game analysis, youth reports, loan reports. We talk about quite a lot of things and obviously the podcasts are inbuilt alongside that as well. So there's a lot of content for you to consume, but that is enough from me. Uh, Thank you for listening to the Central Wigan podcast and have a very good Christmas. Up the ticks.